0: Hello, listeners. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely going through a divorce or thinking about it. And if so, you are not alone. Over a million people get divorced in the United States every year. But we know that divorce can be an extremely complex and expensive process, especially if you have to hire a lawyer and spend a lot of time in court. And that's where Hello Divorce comes in. Hello Divorce is an online divorce platform that makes it easy and affordable to get a divorce yourself. With Hello Divorce, you can complete the entire divorce process online, in your own home, and at your own pace. They offer a variety of features to help you get through your divorce, including easy to use online forms and guides, a step-by-step walkthrough of the divorce process, and access to experienced divorce professionals for help and support. So if you're thinking about getting a divorce, I encourage you to check out Hello Divorce. The founder, Erin Levine, is a friend of mine, and I honestly admire what she has created with Hello Divorce so much. This platform is the change we need in the divorce industry. You can hear Erin explain more in her episode on the podcast entitled The FYI on DIY Divorce. I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes for you. So you can get more information, resources, and support at hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond. And if you use the code beyond, you'll get $100 off your service. So go to hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond.
1: Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. You need to understand that it's an uphill battle, that domestic violence is a challenge in court. So let's put on the absolute best case that we can.
0: Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. And today we have Beverly Price right back with us. Beverly is joining us again. You remember Beverly, she joined us earlier this year and she was talking about um, the fact that there's so much stigma around divorce. And she certainly has experienced that to the nth degree, or maybe we would say to the Sixth degree because she's been through, she's been married six times, right? Divorced five. Four divorces. Four divorces and, and uh, one, sadly, widow. one widow. One yeah. widowhood. And, mm-hmm. uh, And, you know, she's also a a very well-known divorce coach. And if you've been listening, if you listened in November, if you've been listening since then or watching my Instagram, you know that Beverly is really the driving force behind the Divorce Coalition, which is the coalition of podcasters and divorce professionals. Um, We've all joined together to really raise a profile for resources for victims of domestic violence and uh, really just to shine a light on the issues to share our knowledge that so many of us have And have learned over the years and to bring more resources to people. And so we're doing another episode on those lines today. Beverly is joining me. And you know, if you listen to her prior episode, Beverly herself is a former, um, she's a survivor of domestic violence, domestic abuse. Um, I've had my own incidents, which I would categorize in that way as well. Um, So we will be talking about this from that dual perspective of professionalism professionals who support people in the space, but also it's layered with a little bit of our own insights. And one of the things that I was talking about with Beverly before we decided to do this episode is she mentioned to me that as she was working with one of her clients, her coaching clients, they were working on a victim's impact statement. And the bells went off in my head that many of you, my listeners, might not even know what a victim's impact statement is a vis as they call it in the court system um, nor the the relevance of it either in a criminal case or a civil case so i of course asked beverly to come back Uh, her insights are going to be really helpful to you all whether you're you're talking in the criminal court or the civil court the, the divorce court and we'll talk about that but Long intro, but I really wanted to to lay some groundwork here for you all so you know this is going to be one of those episodes where you're really going to pull a lot of usable, valuable information. So Beverly, thank you for joining me again.
1: Hi, Susan. It's so great to be with you again.
0: Yeah, and this is a topic, you know, I lo- I loved that you told me that this is something that you worked on with one of your clients because unfortunately, something that we know or that I've experienced for so many people is that people do not have assistance. Victims of domestic violence or abuse do not have assistance when they are drafting this, this victim's impact statement. And I'm, if, if it's okay with you, I'm gonna layer in a little information about what this is. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So what I want listeners to understand is that there are two ways that domestic violence kind of comes into a courtroom situation. There's a criminal case Where someone has been arrested for domestic violence or abuse and the state of whatever, state of Connecticut, Mm -hmm. state of New York, state of North Carolina versus the defendant. And in those cases, the person who was abused is the victim. And then, mm-hmm. then you have the cases, which many of my listeners, you may be of, of this class, where domestic violence is also an issue in the family courts. This is called civil court, and this is where um, you're you're going for a divorce, you're going for a parenting plan, you're going for custodial orders, and in those cases, it's party A versus party B. The state is not one of, you know, there's no no one's going to jail over over these effects and and many people don't understand that difference but it's actually a pretty big difference isn't it right yeah absolutely and you can
1: have things that kind of cross over like protection orders deal with many aspects of domestic violence and divorce so there are a number of things that kind of cross that line yeah but i think that One of the things that I hear a lot of clients say is that they hope whether it's the judge in family court or the judge in criminal court, if they just present how they feel and what has happened to them that's affected their emotions, that that judge will automatically understand and side with them because it's such a powerful statement. And that's not true. And so many clients get disappointed when a ruling comes back, not in their favor in those situations. In both family court and criminal court, there's a key to being heard rather than to communicate what you want. So there's two separate aspects of it. I may want to say, that my husband is a dirtbag and he's abusive and he spits fire and he um, embarrasses me in public, and that as a result, I'm fearful and I'm ashamed and I've lost self esteem. A judge, unfortunately, doesn't care. A judge is going to want to hear fact both in criminal and civil. So the first thing I advise the client is to start record keeping. And there's two kinds of record keeping. There's a factual record keeping, and then there's an emotional record keeping. There's a journal where you can write down all your emotions and your fears and kind of get everything out to not only be a release for you, but also so you can literally watch your strength grow over time. The part the court needs to see is the factual element. So for example, rather than you saying something in documentation that he scares me by calling me all the time and not using family wizard as he's supposed to, Let's take out for a minute the family wizard part. Let's just say he scares me by calling all the time and he's not doing what he's supposed to. A couple of things factor into that. One is it talks about emotions. The second thing, it's in a general way. So a better way to present that is on December 1st, he called me X number of times. On December 2nd, he called me X number of times and to develop a pattern because the judge is really interested in patterns rather than an isolated incident. So one of the things that actually has to happen is think about parking your emotions. And I know that's difficult to do and putting on a hat like a business person and looking at this factually and neutrally and from the point of view of the judge or the prosecutor and understanding where their head's coming from and what they want to see. So, Susan, I know we talked a little bit about where the judge's head's coming from and what they may have experienced. Can you share any insight for the listeners on that?
0: Yeah, that's a a great question because, you know, I want to say in defense of our judges out there, it's not that they don't care. It's that what they're hearing so often, as you've just very eloquently described, what they're hearing so often from the witness, which is really what a victim is Um, or the victim in a a family law case, either criminal or you are a witness. You're giving testimony to the judge as to what happened and what they care about. Again, I I thought you did a great job of this is saying that there's this pattern and giving them the facts. So when you say to a judge that, you know, he calls me all the time and that upsets me, you're not giving a judge enough facts for them to understand and put into context why this rises to the level of of abuse. But if you tell them you know, the number of times, how often that it doesn't have anything to do with a relevant topic regarding the children, that he screams at you and he does it, that you know it's disrupted your day at work, that your employee your employer is considering firing you because it's you know, da. da, da. If you're able to set up that as a and, and set that standard for the judge as to why this rises to that level of abuse, and that's just one example, the judge it's not that they care or don't care, but that gives the judge something where, where they can say, I see a pattern of abuse here. I see that this is abusive behavior. And you know, the thing that I think that many people don't understand when they go into that courtroom is very sadly, in our society, these judges, you are not the first person that they have heard probably that day talking about abusive behavior on the part of a a loved one and they may have heard what upwards of 20 30 40 cases already and they may be on their fifth 10th or 20th year on the bench hearing it right? right and i'm not saying again that they don't care or that they're immune to hearing it but you need to be as ready to give them the actual facts of what it is and you're certainly allowed to say that pattern of behavior led me to be fearful of ever answering the phone. And when I hear the phone ring, I have an immediate physical response. You know, my stomach goes into knots now because I've had 962 telephone calls in the last 30 days, whatever that might be. You can be that specific, but You know, I think that's a really important part is you are talking about the impact on you, but the impact of what, right? What has impacted you? And that's what you've you've really done a great job describing there. So the impact of you is only effective if it's followed with
1: facts. Think about it for a moment. Does anybody look forward to reading 10 pages of single-spaced description of one's pain and suffering. No. But if you present it in the proper way, and i like to call it presenting to be heard rather than presenting to share what you feel. So you're looking, your hope through all this is that you achieve a satisfactory result. So you need to communicate, to be heard, to maximize the chance that you will get the result you need. And it's facts and it's clarity and it's relevance. Um, And it touches on, particularly in the victim impact statement, it touches on a number of areas. It touches on the emotional, the financial, the physical, and other relationships that are affected by this. Likewise, in divorce court or family law court, there are facts that need to be presented that go along with explaining behavior. The most powerful statements you can make are facts that evolve into extensive patterns of behavior so that it paints a picture of the severity of the issue.
0: Yeah, really good point with that. You know, when you're able to show those patterns that this is not a one off, not that one incident of abuse is not sufficient to be considered abuse. But unfortunately, again, that's not what we usually see. We usually do see those patterns of abuse. And it, it is important to note, I do want to just note for the listeners again, just to clarify for them so they understand In either case, when you as the victim are giving this information, communicating the impact of the abuse on your life, there are certain outcomes that you're looking for. Um, I, I like how you just said it. I think you said a satisfactory outcome. In criminal court where you are making an impact statement to the court or providing it to the court, the outcome is that the judge is gonna determine what the sentence is, the criminal sentence, for the crime of domestic violence against a spouse or, or you know intimate partner. And so that is the outcome. You're, you're letting the judge know the severity of what happened and that you were deeply impacted as the victim. And so the judge can impose a sentence. On the family court side, depending on what, you know, the issues are pending, it might be financial, financial outcome. You might need more support because the abuse has left you um, impaired in your earning. Yeah, impaired in your earning capacity. It might be your parenting plan because we do know that domestic abuse is child abuse should that person an abuser have access to the children unfettered you know so it, there are different outcomes you're looking for in the two courses right. but as beverly has said as you said here beverly the, the communication of that information is the key getting that p- those points across and i love how you broke that down emotional physical financial and impact on other relationships those are the things the court wants to know about how has this abuse affected you in these four categories.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that I think is critical to think about is, for example, I did, I worked with a client on a guardian ad litem statement and form and then prepared them for the interview. This is important, not only in written communication, but verbal communication. And in many cases, it's even more important in the verbal communication so that you look like you are... Um, you know, intelligent, prepared, calm, understanding, and not full of blame and anger and hatred. So for example, in a guardian ad litem statement, you could say, you know, um, I'm worried for my child because his mother is an awful mother. And what you need to come back with is again, statements. On this day, this day, this day, the child is sent to school without breakfast. On this day, this day, this day, the child sent to school with dirty underwear. And and again, very specific. When you go into court and you're testifying, it's helpful if you have someone to role play that with ahead of time so you get comfortable. And that's one of the things I do with my client is not only role play, but what I call reverse role play. So put yourself in the shoes of the attorney or the prosecutor. What questions are you thinking you need to ask? And then put yourself in your own shoes about what your response is. And are your responses likely to create the impression you want to create?
0: Yes. Communicate what you want to communicate. And I want to emphasize Something that you said, when you are writing something down and giving a written victim statement or written information, that's one layer of information and one layer of communication, right? So, and you have the chance to read it over and segment it and put in nice bullet points to make it more easily readable and all those things. But you said earlier, it's even more important to be clear in your communication when it's it's verbal and in person. I could not... F- second that more, because when you are sitting, say, with the guardian ad litem, who's trying to understand what's going on here, and they're going to make a determination as to what's in the best interest of your child, right? That's their role. They're going to tell the judge what they think is in your child's best interest. So when you're communicating with them, they're now getting full bore communication from you. They're not only getting the words that are coming out of your mouth, which is like the text on a paper, but they're getting the, you know, the uh, intonation in your voice. They're getting your hand gestures and body language, right? So if you are frantic trying to get this information across to them, which... Beverly and I totally understand that we understand feeling frantic to get that point across, but it's not helping you because right. it makes it harder for that information to come across. So I, this role play idea is brilliant. I love it. Hi, listeners. I wanted to let you know that the Divorce and Beyond website is a great place to visit if you're looking for more support and information as you move through your divorce and beyond. We have links there to all the latest episodes. We have the full show notes and links from the most recent episode. There's a sign up for the weekly newsletter and we have lots of freebies and downloadable resources for you. We even have a divorce topics page where we have broken down the episodes by topics so that you can find the episodes that are on point to your issue of interest. There are pages on episodes on financial topics, children and divorce, high conflict divorce, and more. So visit the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com and find exactly what you're looking for. Stay tuned for more from Beverly Price as she shares her tips and insights on how to share information and discuss your experience of domestic violence and abuse in a way that ensures you will be heard. Your hope through all this is that you achieve
1: a satisfactory result. So you need to communicate, to be heard, to maximize the chance that you will get the result you need. And it's facts and it's clarity and it's relevance. It touches on a number of areas. It touches on the emotional, the financial, the physical, and other relationships that are affected by this.
0: If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show featuring Professor Kelly Bro Olson as she shared some real actionable tips on navigating both the new normal of the divorce process and the real new normal of life after divorce. You know now things that you didn't know before, but what are you going to change going forward? And that's give yourself grace, give your kids grace, give your ex grace where you can, but you don't have to every day. Some days you won't have it in you. Some days it's just not there.
1: (laughs) And now we return to today's show. I think it's really essential to get comfortable. The other thing that's important, I think, is in either family court or criminal court is this practice because you will be facing your abuser or your Um, ex-spouse to be. And if there has been verbal, emotional, whatever, intimidation, many victims are scared just to look at them in the face or afraid they will cower and have their instinctive reaction to let him have power and control. So that's another reason to practice your reactions to that, even if you want to practice taping their picture on something and speaking to that so that you reduce your fear and anxiety. Because if this isn't about punishing them, this isn't about your hatred of them. This is about getting what you need and it's going to impact you for the rest of your life and your children's life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is unfortunate because the way that our system works you know, constitutionally in criminal court, the defendant has the right to be in court when people are saying things about them. And in the family court, they're not going to remove the other person while testimony is going on like that. But it can be re-traumatizing, right, to have to be in a courtroom with your abuser in the room. But it is It is uh, this desensitization, I I think I would call it, of of seeing the picture, of knowing that's going to happen, just to have the power of knowing this is the situation you're going to find yourself in, doing the role play, saying these things and practicing them, taking some of the difficulty out of that can go a long way to helping you and having your points uh, and facts ready to go. I think that there's probably nothing more important than that, knowing ahead of time and having thought clearly through that emotional impact, financial, physical, and impact on relationships. Knowing what your facts are around that and being able to recite those is really important.
1: Absolutely, and I think it starts at the very beginning of when you're thinking about divorce, Things as simple as protecting your technology so that spouse can't see what you're writing, setting up a new email to deal with divorce topics, moving into your written communication documentation and your verbal communication documentation and your emotions. So I first encourage every client to start a log with a date, with the event that happened, and with what it affected. And do that every single time, even if it's 20 times in a day. And that's actually good for you if it's 20 times in a day. Um, Then also keep a journal that allows you to get all your emotions out and see what's happening over time. One of my clients... When I partnered with her attorney, she is dealing with the most intense legal abuse. This spouse will file motion after motion, and she will receive it at 4.30 p.m. every Friday. So her lawyer's gone home, and she's panicking because she doesn't know what it said. So all my clients have access to me all during the week. So she can call me and we can talk through it. But the other thing that was important that her attorney and I did was to help her reframe her thinking. Instead of thinking, oh my God, he's doing this to me again. Think of it as a game. We know he's going to do it. Let's guess what's next and on one day. And let's keep score. And so we at me as a divorce coach will have my anticipated score and she will have hers and we can compare and see who won. But that takes the um, the additional pressure of being an ongoing victim off and laughter is such a healing tool as well. Oh, it can. But I think keeping that documentation, keeping it in a secret space, particularly if you are starting it while you were married, make sure it can absolutely never get into the hands of your spouse. Many other things in terms of preparation will help you maximize your chance. Then in addition to that, the way you communicate with your attorney is critical. Your attorney is not there to make you feel better. Your attorney is there to make sure that your case is as legal as it possibly can and to maximize the chance of getting you what you want and need. They are not there to listen to the the ongoing story. And the other thing that I see a lot of clients do is email their attorney five or six times a day with one question in each email. They may not know that their attorney bills in minimum minutes. So for every email, they may get a bill for 15 minutes. So what I encourage my clients to do is keep a piece of paper by the phone, and write down all of the questions for their attorney and batch them into one email. Again, this is really talking about reframing and reorganizing your way of thinking. So it's new and it's different, and it's not going to be instantly natural, but the more practice we do, the better it will get and the better result you will get.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's actually I, I really like re, you know, reframing that uh, concept of your attorney sort of being the one-stop shop because ha- having practiced for so long, you know it's not that just like i said earlier it's not that the judge doesn't care it's not that your attorney doesn't care either i mean we we there's a reason we're in family law most, most of us we're exactly we, we want and it's the purpose that they have a- and to do a good job for you on the legal side of things we actually can't be that involved on the emotional side of things, nor, frankly, do we have the training to help you with most of that, nor does the law, as as I've told you in so many episodes before. Unfortunately, the law and emotion are not, a, the, you know, two things that cross very often. Um, so... And the same thing with financial. Yes. Emotions and financial don't go together. Well, and that's, I mean, we're really sort of making the case, uh, as I've said in so many episodes before, why you really need to have an effective team. And so I always say to my clients, you know, when you are thinking about picking up the phone or putting your, you know, fingers to email, you know, is this an attorney question? Is this a coach question? Is this a financial advisor question? Is this a mom question or best friend question or sister question? You know, yeah. there are, you should have different you know, buckets of, of support that are going to help you. And that's why, you know, especially as you're talking about speaking to the different professionals on this front of domestic violence, the, let's flip this conversation around a little bit. I think it's important to go find professionals who have experience, maybe not personal experience of domestic violence, but who have experience of working with victims Absolutely. of domestic violence, don't you think? Yeah. Absolutely. I
1: have a client right now who has an attorney, but she is scared to go and ask that attorney what their experience is, what their thoughts are, and what their position is on domestic violence, not only physical, but all the other types. and That fear is driven by so much that that we have to get her comfortable, but we also have to partner her with the right team members that have the experience that she can relate to. And there are lots of attorneys and lots of financial professionals that have the experience, but it's a matter of looking for it. It's not necessarily the attorney that your friend Sally down the street recommends. It's someone very specialized to your situation and skilled in it.
0: Yeah. And this is that whole episode I just recently did with Kate Anthony who took, Absolutely. you know, she's a, a victim's advocate with the courts in California after having taken extensive domestic violence support training and uh, finding someone who has that kind of a background. And clearly, you know, you have training in that. I know as a, as a divorce coach, you bring that to the table and a lot of your clients are sadly going through this experience. But there's a big difference, as you just pointed out, with having a professional who has that specific training to understand because so much of you know those things that we've talked about is the impacts that the court is going to look at. Much of that is elusive or difficult to put your finger on, things like the emotional right. impact or you know the the financial impact as you and I were talking about earlier the financial impact of domestic abuse yes there are medical bills if somebody broke your arm that's an easy one to think of but what about the 20 days you missed from work last year because of the mental abuse or the depression that you're in as a result of being an ongoing victim you know that's another financial abuse that, that a professional not trained might not even know to help you be looking for and then include in your statement.
1: Absolutely. I think they need to understand that. And we've talked about this many times. Abuse isn't just that he hit me and that I have a bruise. And we know that even in that type of case, that can be difficult to prove and that can be difficult to get a ruling. So what you really want is on all those other fronts, whether it's mental, emotional, coercive control, financial, sexual, religious, post-separation abuse, there's so many, you want somebody that can understand. Now, many victims as well, whether it's in divorce or in domestic violence court, can also benefit from a trauma-informed or PTSD-trained therapist. Not just the general therapist that your friend down the street recommends, but many people that come through this kind of abuse, men and women, are, have experienced trauma and may have PTSD. And so the other element of this is they may have triggers that they cannot yet control that things can pop up and they need someone that can help them with the past going forward. The therapist helps them in the past and the divorce coach helps them moving forward in the future.
0: Yeah, and that's a really a critical point for. I'm so glad you mentioned PTSD because I think that is something that gets lost so often in the mix here. But it is actually extremely common that victims of an ongoing um, systematic abuse um, or even a one time abuse. I mean, it, it it could be either, but. When you have this um, intimate partner violence, it's often something that has gone gone on for some extended period of time. And people who have been through that experience are almost certain to have some level of PTSD, and exactly. that is not something you just bounce back from. Um, it's not something you may even recognize in yourself. You may not even understand the the symptoms. So having a trauma informed, you know, team again around you really is critical. And the only way, you know, it hurts my heart to think that you, you know, you mentioned your client who's afraid to ask their attorney their position on domestic violence and their understanding of of the dynamics there because that's how you, she has to be able to ask that. And it bothers me, actually, that she has an attorney she's afraid to talk to because you need to be able to communicate with all of your professionals. Uh, It's really critical.
1: I think so many victims, you know, feel that shame, feel that embarrassment, feel that they don't want people to know that that can lead to it. But remember, just like a coach, just like a financial professional, they're there with confidentiality. But if you find you have a team member that is not compassionate, is not knowledgeable, is not concerned for your well being, it's time to find another team member.
0: It is. And that's, I think, another thing that's really hard for people. Uh, I've talked about it in some other episodes about changing attorneys midstream or changing professionals. And I know that people hesitate because they're afraid of starting with someone new, that they have to start over, or that there's gonna be an expense, and there likely will be, right? You have to bring a new professional into the mix, they need time to get up to speed. But I will tell you in the end, you will save money because if you get the right professional on the case giving you the kind of support that you actually need, you're going to get a better outcome and it's actually going to move more quickly. So don't let that be something that stops you. And, and I I talk about this all the time but one of the things i hope that's coming through very clearly in this episode is just how important the role of a divorce coach is especially in these circumstances especially if you can have someone like you Beverly who is not only a divorce coach but trauma informed and has domestic violence background and training because if you are one of those the victims going through the these process or both you know in criminal court and or family court that Coach is probably the most important person on your team.
1: And I think that coach can help you understand um, that you've got a challenge and you are going to join hands and go through that challenge together. It's not beneficial to think that I will walk into court and it will be hunky-dory and I'll just get everything I want you need to understand that it's an uphill battle, that domestic violence is a challenge in court. So let's put on the absolute best case that we can to go at it. And there are lots of experts. One of the episodes I have on my podcast is by friends of yours, Larry and Joni Jones. And they talk about the emotional preparedness for domestic violence court and the legal preparedness you need for domestic violence court. And I would encourage anybody who's thinking of that to go listen to those two episodes, um, because it just it gives you such a fantastic perspective that many of us never think about. We just think about our story from our point of view.
0: Yeah. And I think I I love that you mentioned them, Um, you know, Larry, former family court judge and now mediator, Joni is a mental health registered nurse and mental health advocate and mediator. And they really bring such a strong perspective and important perspective to this conversation. Now, one thing I I know that you mentioned at the top of the episode, or when we were talking before, but I know you have a new ebook that's available uh, for listeners, and I want to make sure that they know how to get a hold of that. So let's first start with what is it? How will it help? And where can they find it?
1: Absolutely. It's all about being fully prepared for divorce. There's so many things people overlook and they think preparation is just handing over financial statements or legal documents. And there's probably 30 more things they need to do to be adequately prepared. And so that checklist you can find at my website, her empowered divorce slash divorce checklist can guide them through
0: that process you know those checklists and that getting started with the divorce I this episode is going to be airing at the end of 2023 as we go into divorce month so I highly recommend anybody who is as we know so many people are starting to think at this time of year about you know perhaps in the new year divorce might be in their future um, a divorce checklist like that and just a real understanding because this episode, we've been talking about preparing to make your statement, preparing to describe the effects of domestic violence on your life, but pre- being prepared, period, is the best way to get through anything. Um, and it's so hard to do when you're going through a difficult time or when you're going through trauma. So the ebook, the checklist, has to be a, a wonderful way for people to to get started. So I encourage them. I will have a link uh, in the show notes, also to your website and to the podcast, but tell people um, you've been on and I've been on Her Empowered Divorce podcast before. You've been on my podcast before. Tell people about Her Empowered Divorce and the website and where to find you. Absolutely. Well, Her Empowered Divorce is all about helping
1: women navigate through divorce, whether they are thinking about divorce in the middle of divorce or post-divorce. And it presents Uh, perspective from the legal, financial, emotional, all aspects that can help you navigate that process. We also have now Her Empowered Divorce Live. It's a live radio and TV show Every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and I'm proud to say that thanks to a donation from w- WGSN Radio and TV, we now have a Divorce Coalition live show every other Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. where we bring in top domestic violence experts to help you through that journey as well.
0: Now, which is and it, it makes me want to leave this episode because those are both such wonderful resources. But I. Do- don't want to leave the episode without also mentioning the Divorce Coalition. You can go to divorcecoalition.com. We have pulled together. Beverly has really pulled together. Let me just be clear with all of you listeners. Beverly is the driving force behind the Divorce Coalition. I think we are up to 60 plus professionals in the podcasting and divorce space, all here to help Like we hopefully have done a little bit of today in shining a light on resources that are available to you and support for you so that you know you are not alone going through this journey. We are out here. We're here to help. Go to divorcecoalition.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Divorce Coalition page, and really, you'll find all of these uh, podcast episodes, blogs, articles, um, resources. Sign
1: up for our newsletters. We have one for
0: individuals and one for divorce professionals. Yeah, there's wonderful resources, and again, it's it's just you know a passion project for Beverly, Kate, and I. Have just you know been delighted to be a part of this, and we're so happy to see this taking off because what it means is, it is shining a light. And we hear from people all the time that have have found hope and help on the pages through the episodes through what we're doing. And and that helps us to keep doing what we're doing. So thank you. And thank you, Beverly, for everything that you have done. You I I hope you know, how I admire you. And just I'm so delighted to be a part of this. So thank you.
1: The feeling is very mutual. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you.